Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting. Oh! Let him play. You bet one one bone to win nineteen. I'm just, where? What site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? I, they let you do fifty cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like he dropped Superman down like the drain. Comes out. And like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City, part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Good evening, sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the big uh, open recap golf show here on the Dick Cow Football Show. Good to have you with us in the Dave and the City Studios, the home of champion Southern California. Those of you on YouTube, at least you can see us tonight. I made that stupid mistake two weeks ago where you didn't have a song. Um, but in uh, but I, we had some drama before the start of the stream again because for some reason my my input to uh, start this, my, in, the, my sound input still doesn't go through. I had to activate it again, so... Uh, sorry for the inconvenience, everybody on YouTube, but um, everybody here on the podcast heard it just fine. And now we're, we're we got audio across the board everywhere. So, well, what well, we have so much to recap tonight? An incredible moment for Cam Smith, who's just been really great this year, and uh, this really was his moment for sure. Like, and, you know, he had the uh, he had the he had this incredible putts on Sunday, and uh, overcame what was an, a remarkable performance by Rory McIlroy to win the Open Championship I- at St Andrews. The home of golf i'm i'm really impressed by this performance it's a shame for for rory because he i mean you couldn't even play better than that he still lost just kind of a bummer um but uh tonight let's go let's get to it we got some golf happening i know we have the all-star game happening too we are monitoring that as well the national league is up to nothing in the in the mlb all-star game and uh now let's just say hello to all of our peeps here to talk some golf with us should be a good time. And uh, Mike will be with us for some of this tonight. Oh, God, what is this? Oh, okay. Let me fix that. But, uh, okay, one second. This won't take long. I just have to switch this thing. Jeez, what a, what a, what a clown I am. There we go. That should take care. There we go. Okay, cool. So let's start with Mike. Mike, welcome into the program. It's good to have you back. I know you're, you'll only be with us for a little bit of it tonight, but it's so good to have you for any of it. How's it going tonight? I'm doing pretty well, Dave, if kind of busy and stressed. And I, I do appreciate you agreeing to have me on for a uh, truncated appearance, unlike uh, CBS with Nick Faldo, which is leading <laughs> to his retirement. I know. Um, oh, man. You know, we, we're we getting to that later in the show, too. Absolutely, Mike. I'm glad to do it. And good luck on your on your exam later. I, I We're really excited for you. So hope it goes well. Well, I expect to be struck by lightning walking into it now. Ah, uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> No, I appreciate it, though. Thank you. You bet. You bet, Mike. You bet. Okay, so next up, let's go ahead and say hello to Andy and see. Wait, no, let's go say hello to Andy in Seattle. What's going on, Andy? Welcome back. Glad you're back at the Butler Cabin. What's going on with you tonight? Yeah, I didn't have time to change it. So uh, if I had known Mike was only on for a short wave, I'd handle it. I'm only on just to hear these other two guys. But, uh, no, it's good to be back. And, uh, Mike, hopefully uh, whatever thing you're – preparing for a path with flying colors word up all right so now let's go over to john in connecticut great to have you back john how's it going tonight yeah what's up guys doing well um great event over the weekend and um should be some definitely lots of stories 
storylines to get into for this one. So yeah. uh, excited to be here to discuss it all. And yes, also echoing my sentiments uh, for a successful exam for, for Mike. So uh, um, best wishes. Yep. Yeah, I, I love that, everybody. So, folks, uh, let's get to it. I mean, again, a really incredible tournament. Like, every single day had, like, juice. And and the final round was certainly no different. So, Mike, we'll start with you. I mean, Cam Smith with that putter. I mean, his putting, putting, I don't know what, I mean, all the metrics for putting have been great for him all year. But it really came through for him this time around. And I got to give it to him a lot of credit. I know you were rooting big for Rory. You had, you had, you had action on it, too. But uh, I got to give him, I mean, Rory was awesome. I mean, that's the thing. Um, oh, what happened? <laughs> Everything all right? Um, but uh, but my, Rory was good, too. Like, it's just kind of a, it's a, uh, I don't know what, I mean, what can you do? Like, you know, he, he did, he, he played a very well, good tournament, and it just wasn't enough for in, that, in this particular weekend. But, uh, I mean, I guess it, we can start with there, that the two at the top, Really, just an incredible performance in both ends, really. But Cam, in particular, with with just a big string of birdies uh, um, on his final round. So, Mike, um, your takeaways from Cam's performance and what's what's what what he's done on this weekend? Sure. So, I'll uh, I'll touch on Cam Smith, and uh, you know what happened with this tournament. What makes it kind of interesting is that you have a bunch of converging storylines, which in a way almost like blunt the effect of what happened, right? Like, for instance, Cam Smith shoots a 30 on the back nine, including five birdies in a row. But instead of it, like, really being looked at as this, here's this young star who we all thought was going to win a major and or win multiple majors even, he lived up to his potential and came through with an incredible performance. There's sort of this, like, yeah, but did he have to do that at the expense of Rory, who did not play badly at all? Didn't play great, of course, on Sunday, but didn't play bad. So you have that uh, clashing with that. And now, because right after it, Cam Smith got asked about Liv, and he gave the exact same answer that Brooks Kepka gave uh, during the U.S. Open. And now there's a report saying he's going. So I would think unless someone persuades him otherwise, he's probably decided to go at this point. So that kind of blunts what's going on. And I'm sure these guys can get into that more a little bit later. And then you have the idea of Rory being this uh, prodigy who had done something, won four majors before he turned 25, which only, um, or by the time he was 25, which only Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and Bobby Jones have ever done. And then, of course, we've talked about this numerous times over the years. He hasn't won a major since. And this year seemed like he was building towards one. He's like sort of broke out of this problem where his first rounds were always crap. And, uh, you know, he got himself kind of into the mix at the Masters, the great final round, and then the good performance to the PGA, good performance at the U.S. Open, and then... He was right there, uh, tied for the lead going into the final round. He had a two-stroke lead on the back nine. Uh, he, I think, what missed one or two greens all uh, on the entire weekend. That doesn't mean as much at St. Andrews, but it's still he, he was hitting the ball pretty well. Um, and he didn't get it done. But instead of like being looked at as well, here we go again with Rory. He didn't get the job done, or you know he choked in a big big moment. The thing is, like he. The storyline is not so much that he didn't get it done because he played solidly. He shot two under par 70, and he just got beat by a guy who just played absolutely lights out. So, you know, it's not like Greg Norman blowing up, or it's not like Rory even blowing up the first time he had a chance to win a major. 
so you just have like this clash of well it was a great performance by smith but you know that wasn't the ending we wanted and rory didn't get it done but you know he didn't really choke and then you also had um I guess, which is why, you know, which is why sports can provide so much drama. You almost had like this perfect storyline set up, not just Rory winning, but the fact that like Tiger Woods limping off the course was kind of symbolically, okay, this is the end of him being taken seriously as a competitive golfer, although I'm sure some entities will still try to do that. And like, as he's walking on 18, Rory tips his cap to him. Now, wouldn't that have been like just this incredible symbolic thing that as Tiger's limping off and we kind of know, okay, he's sort of like Jack Nicholas in the 90s and Arnold Palmer in the 1980s at this point, that Rory, who's like the big name, who's taken over the, uh, who's really uh, become the leader of the PGA Tour now with this whole split, if he goes on, breaks this ma- uh, major drought and wins his fifth major at St. Andrews, yeah, but it didn't happen. So, um I think that disappointed a lot mm. of people. and But, yeah, just uh, I, I guess to get into a couple specifics before I turn it over to uh, the rest of the panel here. You know, Rory, it, it's not like he putted poorly so much. He just didn't make anything. If you, I, I saw someone listed what all of his birdie distances were, and he only had one birdie putt inside of 10 feet. He had a five-footer on three. And uh, then there's this European account, which is like a, a Rory tracker, and they actually loaded up like um, clips of all the birdie putts he missed. And he didn't hit anywhere he like he was pushing something or pulling something. It just seemed to me like he was slightly off on. He was great with reading the speed of the putts the whole week. He was slightly off, even on Saturday when he shot the 66. He was slightly off about reading the amount of break in the putts. It seemed like his constant problem was that he was just lining up, giving it a little bit too much break. And it would just stay slightly to the outside. But he didn't like he, he didn't poorly execute on any of these putts. He just really it was a combination of not getting in the hole. And maybe, you know, in some ways he had to be a little bit more aggressive once he saw where Cam Smith was, although he wasn't in a favorable part of the golf course. So, um, yeah, there's that. And then there's just <clears throat> I mean, the Cam Smith that reminded me sort of of Jordan Spieth 2015. It was like you knew if he had any sort of makeable opportunity, he was making it. And, you know, just to to have five straight birdies, granted, the wind was down, but the course, even though you were hitting wedges, it was very firm and they put pins like behind knolls and bumps and stuff. So it was hard to get close, even on like a course that was gettable to get that section of like you can get 10 and 11. But to play, to get five in a row in that stretch when there are a number of difficult holes that can cause you problems were just absolutely incredible. And then just the the perseverance that he showed at the road hole, because when he hit the second shot on the road hole, you thought, okay, he's in the position you absolutely cannot go to. He's going to make bogey here. Now Rory's back in this and we got a tournament. But um, no, he hits that crazy putt, which like takes the bank of the bunker. He leaves himself what 15 feet per par and of course he makes the putt so just uh an incredible performance by him uh living up to i think what we thought he would be capable of but now of course there's this big cloud where's he going and when is it going to be announced man that 
Hey, Andy. Um, Andy's been on top of this. Andy was calling this. Like, all these big names are going to start moving over. Eventually, younger names are going to move over, and here we are. But we'll get to Andy in a minute. Let's go to John first, and let's uh, talk to, uh, talk about this win. It really was an incredible performance. Um, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, uh, Mike did a really, really nice job uh, summing a bunch of things up there. Um, I had Cam Smith 22-1, to 1, so that was a good week. Um, another, uh, add another outright win to the, to the column. So it's been a good year for golf betting to, you know, uh, to my own horn, but in, in any event for the, uh, the tournament itself, um, yeah, it was great to see Cam win, but obviously a little part of me wanted to see Rory win as well, just for all the reasons that, uh, Mike had just mentioned. And, um, you know, Rory's problem on Sunday was that he just didn't hit it close enough. And, you know, like you said, there's a number of holes where, like I think on the the double green, I forget which holes it was for, but literally the pin was like a foot off the edge of the front of the green, and there's like a huge mound right behind. Like it's impossible to get get it close to some of these pin positions. But the the chances that he did have, um, he just did wasn't getting it close enough to have makeable birdie putts, and he certainly wasn't putting like Smith. So while he didn't play bad, like he didn't play great either. Like me and Andy were texting on Sunday and I was like well par at this course for Rory should be 68 because you figure he can drive around the green for some of these par fours chip up to within under 10 feet and make the putts take advantage of the par fives like that's four birdies right there and then you just place you know play conservative on the holes where there's just not really much room to to navigate because the course is so firm and um so he he just really didn't uh get it close enough and make enough putts on Sunday um if he had played his normal game like he had been and was four or five under and he's, he's going to be the winner um so definitely a missed opportunity on his part uh with this tournament um you know he'd been playing so well coming in uh he kind of you know he had had a problem with his his wedges for a while and those had been really dialed in especially uh, when his, he won at the canadian open i mean he was just stuffing every single wedge shot and uh that kind of continued through uh through this week and then it just kind of i wouldn't say again it didn't he didn't lose it on Sunday. He just, it was just a very, very average performance. And it took an all time, you know, round for someone to, to beat him. Um, you know, and Smith, I mean, what else can you say? I think he gained eight strokes putting for the week. I mean, the dude is legit the best putter in the, in the world. Uh, I mean, I dare you to try to find someone better. I mean, you could maybe throw out a few names that are, you know, when they're on they're they're, they're close, but I mean, when he gets in that zone, uh, it's just, and his approach game is really good too. So you, when you have that combination of somebody who's great with their irons and is making every putt, I mean, it's going to be tough to beat. Um, the one thing, you know, his driving isn't isn't that good. That's I would say that's his weakness. But it really doesn't matter at St Andrews unless you're in the gorse bushes. I mean, there's a few of those blowing your around. But unless you're in the, you know, in those, it's not really going to matter. Um, the driving. So this is a perfect course for him. The correlations that you've heard all week heading into this were. Players who do well at, at uh, Augusta National do well at St. Andrews, and that really lived up to it. He had, he had some great performances recently at the Masters, and um, you know that, that played into effect for this tournament. And, um, yeah, it's it's kind of sad to hear the rumors about him going to the Live Tour. And really, with the, I mean, we can get more into this later, but it's going to create like two AAA tours, basically, because the fields are going to be so watered down on both. I imagine the Live's going to probably expand their players for, for next year if they, they want to have more people in. But... It's just going to be two AAA tours, and I guess the only good thing about it is it's going to make the majors even more more like 
valuable and like important because that's, that's the only time these two tours are going to come together. But it's definitely a sad, sad thing to see. I imagine most of these guys probably won't go until after the FedEx Cup because that's another cash grab that they can get. You know, why would Cam Smith want to give up on trying to win another 15 million unless the you know the Saudis are going to give that to him up front? I mean, they easily could, but um, I don't I don't think they're going to do that until after the FedEx Cup. But um, and anyway, back to the tournament, yeah, uh, uh, one to remember for sure. And uh, you know, Cam Smith with you know one of the greatest back nines you would you'll see in an open championship. I mean, six under on the back nine, and then you know the the front nine on St. Andrews is where you really want to make all your birdies and you just kind of maybe pick up one or two on the back. He really went hard on, on the back nine. Um, you know, the, the par save at 17 and then the birdie 18, you knew he was going to win. So, uh, tremendous performance out of him and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from here in regards to playing status uh, for the for the coming future. That's very well said, John. And, you know, the word sad is something I kind of think of as well, but, you know, I'm kind of jaded too at some point. At this point, I'm like, all right, I guess, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> but Andy's going to have some really interesting um, interesting takes on this too, Andy, so I'll give you the floor. Well, I mean, I, I'm i not pro-live, anti-live. I, but I know, I'm, I know, I know. You've I, I like that. the juice. Um, so before I ramble on the, on the actual open, like, just based on these other guys have read it too, but like, Hideki is probably good as gone after FedEx. Like that rumor is just red hot. Like Hideki Matsuyama is going to go after the FedEx, as John said. Like they're not going to go before the FedEx. They want to make as much money as they can. The other rumor is that after the Presidents Cup, you'll get all the Australians. That's Adam Scott. That's Mark Leishman. That's Cam Smith. And they probably still idolize Greg Norman from back in the day. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. It's just red hot innuendo and Bubba Watson as well. Bubba Watson could fall off the face of the earth. We won't miss him. We won't watch him on the Live Tour. We don't even watch him on the PGA Tour. But as John mentioned, yeah, you'll you'll get it'll just make the PGA a little more diluted, and the Live Tour will probably be diluted anyway. It already feels weird with the fifty. I mean, I watched way too much of the Portland event around Fourth of July. But um, I think the majors, is, they'll still – because if the majors don't let these guys play, it'll dilute their product. So I think when push comes to shove, there'll be some sort of mechanism where these live players will still be able to get world ranking points. Like Paul Casey's like, we might go to the Asian tour, play some events. Like the DP tour hasn't banned them completely. Like Poulter's playing in the Czech Masters in a couple weeks. So – yeah, there's got to be a lot of things to shake out. Like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, Cam Smith uh, it takes a little bit of shine from his moment when he's getting asked about the live tour, like two minutes into his press conference with the Claret Jug. But yeah, congrats to John to winning. I'm not anti Cam Smith. I actually like him, but on Sunday I did not like him. And uh, you know, he won the Players Championship. Uh, as John mentioned, he's he's had good good showings at Augusta. He's kind of a swashbuckler. You know, he almost played himself out of contention with that Saturday decision. You know, he was his ball wasn't in the bunker, but he was in the bunker, and everyone's like, he needs to be careful, and he wasn't careful. I think he got a double bogey. Uh, you know, he can get a little aggressive. That back nine with the putter, 
you can't you can't draw it up any better. There's a lot of people that are like, why is the media? Oh, why are they writing so many articles about Rory? Like, well, going into the tournament, there are all the articles about Rory. Like this tournament was tailor made for Rory. He's due. He's so outspoken about the live. He loves St. Andrews, home of golf. It's time. And uh, it was kind of reminded me of, you know, Coach K's last year, a couple of months ago, like, oh, it's Coach K's birthright to win the tournament. He's going out. And then, you know, there's little kinks in the armor when they lost to North Carolina in the conference tournament. And obviously it didn't work out for Coach K. It obviously didn't work out for Rory McIlroy. As these guys mentioned, he didn't choke. There's nothing resembling of a choke. Up four, shooting two under, uh, that probably wins you a U.S. Open. It probably wins you a PGA. It might not win you an Augusta because of all the volatility that can happen at the back nine at Augusta. But in these benign conditions at St. Andrews, he needed more than minus two. Uh, even, you know, we know Cam Smith was a beyond a hot lead on the back nine. But as, as Mike mentioned with the putter with Rory, coming up short. I watched that video that Mike mentioned from the Rory tracker, like a montage of all the missed putts and they were just agonizingly close. Um, I will say this. Yeah. Like not parring or not birdieing uh, 10 was haunting. Like there is a couple holes that were dubbed like par three and a half just because of the way the, the golf course was playing with the wind and with the length and how firm they were. And I don't think Rory birdied any of the par three and a halfs on Sunday. Uh, two other haunting sequences. I thought the par five 14th uh, Cam Smith hit an amazing second shot to set himself for Eagle. He didn't make the Eagle putt, but he assured himself an easy bogey or easy birdie Rory 10 minutes later, his second shot onto that very same par five. He didn't hit it. He he hit it. He didn't get the bounce that he was looking for. And in fact, the ball ended up coming back. Azinger was actually pretty good. He was like, this is going to be a tough up and down for Rory. Rory could not go up and down. You needed to birdie that. You needed to birdie par. He needed to birdie 14. He needed to do it. He didn't do it. I was like, this is so haunting. The other haunting moment was on 16. They didn't really elaborate enough. If you remember every – NBC was going gaga over Cam Smith, amazing up and down on 17. And then they cut it to Faraday and they, they, they like rushed it. Rory had a really good drive on 16. He had about 105 yards to the pin on 16. And he hit a very, very, very subpar. Uh, and I, I'm guessing it was like a gap wedge, but he had a very subpar second shot, left himself like a 40 foot putt. And Faraday was like, that was not good. But you could barely – he barely had time to get it out of his mouth because they were going to commercial. That was haunting. Rory needed to stick that approach shot on 16 a lot closer, and he didn't. And uh, those two sequences were, were quite haunting. I – like like Mike, I did not think Cam Smith was going to go up and down from 17 where he was, but he did. And, um, yeah, Rory is – he's going to be kicking himself still – like three days later, uh, because he, like I said, that recipe, that strategy, more times than not, would probably assure him like a major 
trophy if he goes two under holding a four shot lead, but not at St. Andrews on, on that particular day, the way the course was playing, the way the conditions were and the way Cam Smith putted on that back nine, it just, it was just a, uh, it was odd shocking, at least the way I saw it. Now, you know, if you're John holding the Cam Smith 22 to one ticket, if you're an Australian like groupie, you're like, Cam, you, he won. He did win. He won a fair and square. And Rory, he just, yeah, wasn't. A, it's just hard to put into words because he didn't choke. He just did not do enough. And as as Mike mentioned, yeah, some of those approach shots just he didn't give him. Besides three, like that was a bad miss. Like he did not give himself like 100% realistic birdie chances, which just made it worse. And playing with Hovland. That probably didn't help either. Neither of them fed off each other's mojo like they did on Saturday. Like the two cams fed off each other on Sunday. They did not on Saturday, vice versa for Rory and Victor. Indeed. And um, and, uh, I I mean, Victor did a nice run, though. But like you said, it's uh, just a little. Yeah, you know, it came it came undone for him, too. So, Mike, let's check in with you. I just want to see how much time you have left. Uh, How many more minutes do you think you could do? Like, could you do like one more question? Yeah, so I, I was gonna say before, like, uh, like my next question, I'm gonna have to uh, split after. Oh, okay, right on. Um, I, we have two comments from Vitred. Maybe you, you could take a look at these too. So, like, Vitred said um, he he's calling for the commissioner to be gone by the end of the year. PGA Tour commissioner. It's very, very, very good prediction, I think. And then the other comment was one of the attractiveness one of the attractivenesses of Live was playing less. Now they're going to play more to get OWGR points. So <laughs> I'll let you comment on that. And then uh, anything from the rest of the field, Mike? Yeah, sure. So I, I guess I'll um, – Jay Monahan, yeah, he's definitely going to get fired. Um, <laughs> and I'm not saying because that's necessarily – it's his fault, but the fact that Liv has just taken off like this and – you know, especially if they get Cam Smith and they get Hideki Matsuyama, you know, because the last time we had the show, they hadn't it had Kepka announced it. I actually don't remember. I should remember. But, my, you know, my brain's a mess. But getting Kepka because DJ, you can see that he's like starting to really not give a shit. But getting Kepka, who even though he's not doing much, he's still young enough that, you know, like if he kicks it back in gear, he can win another two or three majors. Um, getting someone like Cam Smith, who's a rising star, getting Matsuyama, who's just a mega star in Japan. Now it's like, it's not so much of this, um, like a, a pre senior tour thing. Now you're getting like legit up and coming guys who are just like, I'm going. So in the face of that, there, there's going to be a thought that, you know what, we're in like clearly a, time where ever the landscape is shifting and that we need to find someone who's dynamic innovative more charismatic perhaps someone who's really like on top you know it just and monahan just seems more like the classic like sports commissioner he's a business guy or a corporate lawyer and they know how to speak in corporate speak and they know how to negotiate deals for money. But when you like, when you assess them as a dynamic personality, they just seem to come up a little bit short. So they got to see if they can find that there. And I just think because of like, 
it seemed like Monaghan banked on this not really getting off the ground, or if it did start to get off the ground, like they would show up and it would be basically no one at that event in London besides Phil, and that the broadcast would be a disaster, and everyone would be like, well, this is a joke, and that's not what's happening. So, yeah, I, I do think he's gone. And then the other thing about the live golfers saying that they want to play less luck, anything besides – I did it because they guaranteed me a lot of money is a lie. That's why every single player is doing this. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason. And you know what? I can sit here and I did last time. I can tell you about how I I do think the Saudis are bad. And even if other sports aren't pure, that doesn't, that's, it's a valid point, but it's not really a great defense. I don't think, but that being said, look, if if you're going to come out and say, I did it for the money. Okay. All right, I get it. I can at least get that. Don't don't feed people with bullshit that no one's going to believe. It just it doesn't get anywhere. So the whole I'm I wanted to play less. It's like no, not really because in the PGA we like the live was they never like made it a, a secret that they were planning on expanding the number of tournaments. So anyone who got into this did not figure I'm playing eight tournaments a year plus the majors. They knew they were going to have to play double digit live tournaments and then they want to play in the majors. So, and then when you probably figure uh, that you have no contractual control over where or when you play, you probably have to play every tournament. Maybe they negotiate one or two off. I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that was always a nonsense talking point. And um, yeah, anyone who went along with it has just sort of dug themselves a hole. Oh, <laughs> I will bring this up before I leave. Did you guys see that Graham McDowell on, it was either Saturday or Sunday, tweeted out, he's like, I'm really enjoying uh, the, the Open Championship. Old course is fantastic. But you know the rounds are taking too long. What if we did a shotgun start and he just got absolutely destroyed in the comments and then a day later he tried to say no no this was just a joke i was kidding like I, you know mcdowell it was always someone who like had a good public persona and people liked him but he just like continuously stubs himself in a foot here i don't get it all he has to say is guys i'm 44 years old my like my top playing days i don't know and i'm trying to cash out on what i've done and i uh, you know uh, i know i've made a lot of money but this gives me a chance to like provide even more for my kids and whatnot and you know what people might say well you are being greedy but that's not an entirely invalid point so i don't know his publicist his agent or someone he should fire them because he is not getting good advice so uh <laughs> yeah and, uh, another big foot in the mouth uh moment from Graham McDowell. And with that, Dave, I will excuse myself. Uh, John, Andy, Dave, you guys have a great show. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, have a good night, guys. You too, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, that's Mike and Andy's not splitting two, but uh, Mike, that was really great to get to have you for a little bit. So I'm all the best. Um, and as we were saying, good luck on the <laughs> I really like this view of Andy. He's got his divided into two parts. I'll fix that. Hang on. Let me just go fix it right now. <laughs> but first, let's go over to John. Um, any other thoughts you want, you had as far as the field is concerned? I mean, definitely a lot of storylines from the weekend. Uh, so let me go to you for, for more on that, on, on the rest of the field. I mean, it's just so much to talk about here with uh, what's to come. So, John, you have the floor. Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about the kind of the third player in the this mix from the weekend, uh, Cam Young. Um, he's definitely going to win Rookie of the Year, I think. I mean, I know there's some other guys that have 
rookies that have won tournaments. I, the name, the names escaped me at the moment. I know Cameron Young hasn't won yet. He, there's still some tournaments left. He can win, but um, this guy's been in contention at multiple majors now. Uh, really great, just ball striker. Um, you know, he he his putter is his weakness, but man, he he can really uh, hit some good iron shots, and he proved that again uh, this this week. Um, this was a really again a good course for him because uh, it rewards approach play. Uh, more so than in a lot of courses, but um, a, a great week from him. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win a tournament before the end of the year. Uh, I'm thinking maybe the if he's playing at the – he's not playing this week, but um, maybe the Wyndham Championship or the, the first FedEx event, I could I could see him winning one of those uh, coming up soon. So uh, great job out of him. We'll be seeing him for a little while. Um, I'll mention Tommy Fleetwood, uh, you know, the king of the, the top five, uh, Thomas Fleetwood. That seemed, you know, at least it's better than what he had been doing uh, over the past few years in majors. He really hasn't been showing up, but uh, another really good performance uh, coming off the heels of a good performance at the Scottish Open. So back-to-back top tens uh, for him. I believe he f- finished in the top five at the Scottish Open. So, yeah, that's right, because he almost won. Like, he got to, like, within elite uh, one of Xander uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, some some really good golf from him. I'd like to see him break through and at least win a tournament. It doesn't have to be a major. I'd like to see him win a tournament on the, on the PGA tour. Cause he, he's a really good player and um, he's just had some bad luck sometimes. And again, another guy who sometimes uh, his putter fails him. Um, but you know, a great, a great tournament from him. Um, so that was, that was impressive. Uh, you know, I mentioned Victor Hovland. Uh, this was really his first time in true contention for a major. I mean, we've seen him win on the PGA tour, but he really hasn't won a, like a, a marquee event. He's won like in Puerto Rico and Mexico. And um, so I don't I actually don't think he's won like on the continental US. And I think about it, I think he's won Mexico twice. He's won Puerto Rico. And I, I don't believe he has another win. Um, but in terms of really contending for a major, we haven't seen that from him. Um, but he's got all the game in the world. So this was just a, a good learning experience for him. And uh, he'll, he'll be back to contend in the future. So, um, you know, I think it was, it was good for him to kind of get his feet wet in this in this situation. Um, let's see. I mean, you know, there there's some other big names up there that had good weeks. I mean, Dustin Johnson, he had been playing well in the on the last live event, so I'm not too surprised that he he played well at this course. If I remember the last time the Open was here in 2015, I think it was or 2016, he was the the leader through 36 holes. Like this is a perfect course for him. Just bomb his driver down there as close to the green as you can, and then just go from there. And that's that's exactly what he did. Same with the Shambo had a had a good. I think that's his first top ten in like forever. And then you had your guys like Cantlay and Spieth who are more kind of tactical and and good with the short game. And that's another way to kind of attack St Andrews. And, and they had top tens. Um, this guy, this Thai Thailand player, Saddam Kawana Kajana, literally did not know. Never heard of this guy before, but apparently he is on live golf, and I did not know that. So another like a top ten for them. Uh, they had a really good week. They could have almost had like the whole the whole four aces team minus Pat Perez like in the top ten <laughs> at some point. Um, you know, I wonder yeah. if you, oh, I wonder if old Pat would get a cut if, if that happened. You know, he was he was so happy when the team. Um, in any event, yeah. So that, that was kind of the the recap of the top ten um, in terms of other players that were like surprising um you know uh, we mentioned this before about will zalatoris that this wasn't really going to be a great major for him because i like to take him at majors where the scoring is kind of high or higher like a u.s open or a pga we knew this was going to be low scoring so 
Um, I did do, I did make a bet on him out of just kind of FOMO, fear of missing out. If he did end up coming through and um, and getting the job done, but definitely not the kind of of uh, course fit for him and just uh, event in general. But still, I mean, he finished eight under. And eight under was like I almost tied for thirtieth. This course, I mean, what we might get into it. This course is just a joke, honestly. I mean, history, whatever. I mean, it, it, I, I get it, but it's just it's just Josh not, is out and said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just does not test the players at all. Mm-hmm. There's no win conditions or elements. But um, and I guess I'll mention Scotty Scheffler, who was right there heading into Sunday in just a miserable final round, plus two, could not putt, um, just didn't have anything going. But hey, you know what? He's got four wins on the year. He's got the green jacket. I think I think he'll be all right. Um, just a, a bad round for him on Sunday. Um, I guess some other big names here. John Rahm really didn't do much of anything. He's kind of had a, a, a meh kind of year. Um, and I guess that's it. I mean, see, you know, not many, not many big games missed a cut. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. scrolling through this, which is kind of all the, a lot of the international players that you know you really don't know much about. Um, Kepka had a had a bad week. He, he missed the cut, but I mean, like Mike was saying before, he's kind of he's he's been kind of hurt, um, you know, hurt lately and not really playing that well. So yeah, that's kind of a, a brief recap of some of the some of the players that you might be you might be interested in. But yeah. Um, lots of storylines to follow from from a lot of these guys. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll I'll throw in a comment from Vitred in the chat. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in tonight, Vitred. Uh, he says Arlo White with Charles Barkley is interesting, and I believe this is in reference to the broadcasters for the Live Tour. So uh, yeah, but- so I saw Faraday is going there too now. Yep, so who the yep. hell are they going to kick out? So I mean, I watched the. I'm like Andy. I watched way too much of the Portland Live <laughs> uh, broadcast, and yeah. honestly, like they were. They were trying hard to be like entertain, like funny, but they were. It actually wasn't bad. I have to say, like it wasn't terrible. The broadcast. So I don't know if they're going to put Faraday in the booth with those three guys they got now, or if they're going to send him on the course. I mean, no offense to the the young lady they had doing the course reporting, but th- there could be an upgrade there. So you know, maybe they'll get Faraday to do that. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. What his role is going to be now with, with lift golf, and that opens something up at NBC now too. So lots of musical chairs. Yeah, shame about Faraday leaving NBC. I mean, it's not, it doesn't get talked about a lot, but that he was great. Like, I, I, I enjoyed his humor. I think he's fun. Like, it, you know, I, I was bummed when he left CBS, too. So just, I'm kind of, and, but, you know, you do you, David, I guess. That's sort of my thought. Andy, let's go back to you, get your thoughts on the field, and then anything on live broadcasting if you want. Yeah, uh, nothing on live broadcast. Let's see. See what happens, you know, Barkley's being wined and dined, Faraday's going over there, and I think at some point you'll get a network to commit, whether it's, yeah, you know, Spike TV, I don't know. There'll yeah. be a network that goes there um, from a contract scenario. But um, Fleetwood's another name that's rumored to go to live too. His wife slash agent was at the first event in London, um, so we'll see where, where that happens again. Some, you know, some Tommy fans will be disappointed if he goes there, but what are you going to do? Um, Brian Harmon, I wouldn't watch Brian Harmon if he was putting in my living room, but, uh, just, <laughs> but he had a, he had a good tournament. He's like, a he's sneaky good though. He's sometimes. actually, he's a legit, he's yeah. like literally a bulldog university of Georgia, but yeah, he's, He's pesky. He's like a, uh, you know, a one level up from 
JT post, you know what I mean? He's just, he's just pesky. He had a good showing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have him in any wages or anything like that. And, but, uh, he had a good, had a good open, um, you know, Cantley and Spieth. I watched a lot of them on Sunday cause I had a little head to head matchup going. I thought this course was, uh, suited Spieth's game really well from a, creativity standpoint you know Spieth you know he makes he get he makes it in the hole from all sorts of weird angles and stuff and uh, he had a pretty he had a pretty good tournament obviously he wasn't gonna you know win it there was one point I think on Sunday where he was kind of flirting a little bit but I think he I think he bogeyed uh eight the one of the one of the par threes on the front nine to kind of cook his goose but uh but he had a, you know, a top 10 in a, in a British Open is nothing to, you know, go ham about, you know, to get angry about. So, yeah, good good for Spieth. Um, Deschambeau, as John mentioned, he kind of he kind of backdoored his way into a top 10 with that uh, 66 on Sunday. Um, yeah, Fleetwood, uh, I'm sorry, Victor. Victor just couldn't get anything going on Sunday, but it was his first top 10 in a major. I'm a Victor fan. I think he'll eventually win a major at some point. I think some of us thought he was going to win a major this year um, going into the major season. It, he was kind of trending in the right direction. He won that. Uh, I think he won one of the Middle East tournaments in the beginning of the year. So he was, I think he actually beat Rory. Um and Dick, Big Dick Bland, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that was a pretty big tournament in the for the European Tour. But anyway, like he'll, he's he's just a baby. He's like 23, 24. He'll his time is he'll he'll come, he'll come. And uh, yeah, as John mentioned, Scheffler did not have a good Sunday at all. But you know, his first three days were pretty good. He's had a great year. He's you know could have won a U.S. Open. He did win the Masters. I don't think he made the cut at Tulsa, but um, it's been great for him. We can talk about that later, but all four majors had sure juice. Right. So uh, we talked about that a little bit, or we just talked about it now. But, uh, you know, Adam Scott had a decent, you know, showing for him, the ageless wonder. I think we talked about it, or maybe we didn't talk about it, but he has played in every major for, like, over 20 years. That's a true story. That is crazy. Like, that is amazing for him to not have any sort of injury and to not fall out of the world ranking scenario where he's ineligible. Like that takes some very steady play. You can look it up, Dave. He has not missed a major since like ever. Or like that's really I, that's good. You yeah, can look I mean, it up. it's a crazy streak. Yeah. It's like eighty-eight consecutive majors. You know, mm-hmm. besides like COVID pause or whatever when they didn't. Cause they didn't have the British open in 2020, but you get the idea. Um, let's see what else. Um, Shane Laurie had like a very disastrous back nine on Saturday after you basically Lang to Lou. He like hold out twice consecutively for like back to back Eagles. And then he just like forgot how to putt and had a bad rest of his third round. And then uh, similarly, um, Xander Shoffley wants his back nine back on Saturday. He played three holes at plus five, and he had a really good Sunday. If 
You know, if we played par on Saturday instead of plus five in that three-hole stretch, he might have had a chance. But um, what are you going to do? I mean, he was red hot coming into the tournament. He still finished in the top 15. So good for Xander. Good for Tyrell Hatton. Uh, selfish reason I had him in a top 20 uh, plus 180 or whatever. Mm-hmm. He had a good track record um, playing at St. Andrews. St. Andrews is uh, the Dunhill Golf Links. It's like the European Tours version of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, so he plays that every year. He has a pretty good record at St. Andrews, so I thought he'd be kind of a horse for the course. Um, he wasn't going to win, but he had a he had a good showing, you know. Uh, as John mentioned, the live guys did well. Abraham Answer had a good, good, good tournament. Finished top eleven. Um, I didn't see any Billy Horschel. Kisner had a good third round, top twenty-one. Fitzpatrick actually had like he he was not a fan of St Andrews. Um, he kind of flatlined on Sunday, to top twenty-one. Um, yeah, Zalatoris was just. Wasn't his tournament for whatever reason. Yeah, Rom flatlined. C Gala had a. Uh, we're gonna see a lot of C Gala. We talk about how awful this event is in two days. Like it's gonna be the C Gala show at uh, <laughs> Rocket at the three M. Because all these guys, like, they're all on vacation. Yeah, uh, they all like Scheffler's like in Greece and Max Homa's in Italy. Like they're all just stayed in Europe for the week to just kind of take the load off. Like, you know, they're not playing the Travelers. The Travelers always gets a good field, but, like, they got to do something because this this field this week is awful. And if Nance is there, that sucks for him. But uh, I, I doubt he'll be there, but it's it it is a it is an awful field. It, it is John Deere quality. Wow. And I'll probably have to watch some of it. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, like it was a, it was a. I, I liked the event. Like I thought, uh, if you're gonna open the door up for Tiger or whatever, like I thought, the programming like Thursday, Friday was a great. Uh, you know, the channel NBC USA they they captured everything. Obviously, they captured Tiger. They captured the panache of St Andrews. Uh, even Tariko wasn't bad. That's like, I hate Azinger that much. Like, Tariko and Faldo were actually, like, music to my ears compared to Dan Hicks and Azinger. But, the yeah, obviously the Thursday and Friday you had everything. And then Saturday and Sunday they kind of they narrowed it down to more of, you know, Rory, Cam Smith, <clears throat> all the guys in contention. But I thought I thought the broadcast uh, from start to finish was, was pretty good for, for NBC all things considered. Um, no one really kind of, like, fucked up. You know, like, mm-hmm. no big guy, like, completely choked. I, I will say this about, yeah, Dustin Johnson. Uh, Paul McGinley basically read him the riot act after, being like, if he just pays a little more attention and gives, like, one more fuck, he should be, you know, he could have been there on Sunday, but... You know, but that's DJ, like DJ wins sometimes because he doesn't give enough like credence to preparation and writing everything in the yard book like a Matthew Fitzpatrick does. Like 
So sometimes that benefits him and sometimes, you know, it might not. But, uh, you know, DJ, DJ just kind of went cold with the putter uh, on Saturday to kind of not really give him a fighter's chance to win. But, yeah, I mean, he still had a good – he had a good tournament. He made a decent amount of money. And, it, you know, anytime you can finish in, you know, top 15 in a major, you know, that's good on them. Well, yeah, that great, and and indeed, and Andy, great, great, comprehensive um, rundown, and uh, I love the nods to the NBC broadcast too. We'll get to that in more detail in a minute, but uh, some updates first. Uh, let's really quickly uh, from baseball. It is three to two American League. There were two giant monster home runs in the fourth inning off Tony Gonsolin. The first was a two-run home run from uh, from Giancarlo Stanton of the Yankees, and the second. It only hits me in this home run. <laughs> <laughs> the second one was was from Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins. This all happened back to back. So now the AL in a familiar spot up in an All Star game as we head to the middle inning. So uh, stay tuned on that. So <laughs> let's go to John. Any other thoughts as far as the rest of the field and um, anything else before we get to broadcasting? No, I'll make a couple comments though on some stuff that Andy said. So I just pulled up Scott's Adam Scott's Wikipedia. Yeah, the last major that Adam Scott did not play in was the 2001 U.S. Open, wow. which was coincidentally hosted at Southern Hills and won by Retief Goosen in a playoff over Mark Brooks. So that's how long Adam Scott has been playing major championship golf, which, again, that just speaks to, number one, how good he is and just how consistent you have to be to, to not miss a major for 21 years. That, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, so even though he's only won one major, I mean, that's just, that's an incredible streak. I, I, I can't imagine there's, I mean, I'm sure like Jack Nicholas and some of those guys have streaks that are, that are just as good, but, uh, that's, that's just unbelievable. And, and honestly, the guy can probably just keep playing, uh, in majors for the near future. So, um, great job out of him. Um, yeah, the three, three open, I know we'll get to the schedule ahead, but yeah, th- that, this is exactly why like live happening. It's not a good thing because tournaments like this it's just it's just a complete joke <laughs> i mean the honestly i don't understand why the pga tour in this scenario like who gives a shit about the corn ferry tour like cancel the corn ferry tour event and bring up like 20 of those guys to fill out this field yeah. this week because if you look at the bottom of the field here the guys that get in it's like it's like it's again it could be 2001 when adam scott last missed a major some of these people John Houston, Mark Hensby, Ted Potter, Ricky Barnes, Matt Every, Derek Lamley. I don't even know who that is. Uh, John Merrick, DA Points. I saw Duffy Waldorf was in for half a second, and then he he withdrew. Like it, it's unbelievable that the they, the guys they bring out of nowhere to fill in these tournaments. Give it to Corn Ferry players, like the top twenty on the Corn Ferry tour list, or even college players. Like no one wants to see these people who haven't played in a PGA Tour event in, in ten years tee it up this week that's just it that there's a reason for jay monahan to get fired right off the bat i mean i know there's probably like a process and a order list and the whole entry you know uh classifications that they have to follow but use a little common sense because like 20 percent of the field is just has literally no chance before you even teed off and nobody wants to watch these guys so that's my one rant about that um and yes <laughs> uh, i think gala will be a bet this week at 28 to 1 at 3 i'm open so uh, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. I got kinda, one for you. I was from eyeing B- him. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, what you were saying, John? No, go ahead. Who does V Tread like? V Tread loves Brendan Steele. Brendan Steele. What do you oh, think? yeah. I like that. Yes. I don't know if I would bet him to win, but that's mm-hmm. a definite top 20 bet. Perfect course for him. I agree. He's yeah. going to be on the card. Steele, Emilio Grillo, like yep. Steak Palmer, all those guys will be there. Uh, you know what's Steve weird? Palmer, I just, I'm looking. I was going to say, yeah, Palmer, like, he is just. I don't know. Like anytime he gets in contention, he just like shits down his leg. Like that, that you can count on. Like at the Scottish Open, you knew he was going to do nothing. But for some some reason, he like plays well in like those links courses. I guess he did well there in Scotland last year. But yeah, I, I'm liking right now for the 3M. I'm liking. Uh, 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 like I said, I'm going to probably bet Tigala. I might take a chance on Goddard up again. He looked really good at the John Deere. And this field is just basically the John Deere, and then throw in Matsuyama and Finau. It's basically the same thing. Um, and I kind of like Cam Davis, too. So those are the three guys I'm thinking of, of betting at the moment, and maybe like a long shot or two, but we'll see. You don't like Gaffrey Barnrat, 42 to 1? <laughs> He's another guy. My God. <laughs> I love that. Um, a couple more comments from VTrad regarding the broadcasting. So Faraday, as far as going to the live tour, got 50 million bucks. I did not know it was that much. That's, yeah, good on him then. In that case, that's a lot of money. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. So, but but here's something really, really interesting. So, um, John, I'll stay with you as far as your recap of the broadcast. But um, we've been talking a lot about Nick Faldo leaving broadcasting on a per- permanent basis. But Vitra is the first person I've ever seen that's actually had a genuinely negative opinion about him. So he says, Valdo is useless. Add zero. Glad he's leaving. CBS announces golf like they know the dads at home are napping on the couch during the broadcast. Now, <laughs> it's an interesting comment. What do you think, John? I mean, I think it's true. Like, they could get, like, all, like, cater it. They could cater it to, like, a younger audience that's playing fantasy golf and betting on golf. But, no, they're catering it to the your 65-year-old dad or grandpa I was falling asleep at four o'clock to, to watch the golf or just they're they're very like milk toast with their with their um their commentary that's how i would describe it mm-hmm. so they're not going to you know push the edge or push you know or push the envelope in any way shape or form which is okay but like you're not really drawing in a, a kind of a, a younger or more um you know i guess analytical crowd in, when it comes to the game like i said before about you know, using like strokes game data and then in, in incorporating that into to the betting odds and fantasy they try to do a little bit of that sometimes on the golf channel um but you have to have the right person talking about it like they should do a cut sweat show every friday and just focus on guys making or missing the cuts for mm-hmm. those those variety of things um but it, i mean I, I never had a problem with faldo i think i mean he, he wasn't he's not as good as like johnny miller was for sure but i would take fall faldo a hundred times over Azinger, he he literally adds nothing. I, I cannot say enough about how bad Azinger is at, at the broadcast. Like he just he adds no like analysis of like shots. It's just it's all about like you know how the guy is feeling and pressure and can he do this? Like when him and Faldo had like an hour on, I think it was Friday. Tariko was there, yep. and um, you the the difference between the two could not be more clear when they were announcing the announcing the golf. Like it, it was just night and day how the how they approach it. What I didn't understand about NBC and NBC, whatever. I mean, it is what it is at this point. We don't come to expect a lot. Um, you know, you got coverage from literally the first shot at 1.30 a.m. if you were up on the East Coast to the last putt of the day at 4 o'clock or whatever it was. You can't complain about that. So no no complaints there. But what I don't understand is that Azinger and Hicks 
athletes need like a 10 minute break every hour. I don't understand. Like they go to Tariko and I think it was Justin Leonard. Like the, the guys are on the 16th hole. Like do, do, do they really need a break at that point to, to bring in Tariko to bridge something for 10 minutes? Like I didn't understand that part of the coverage. If you guys noticed that I, I, that was just really, really bizarre why they would do that. Um, other than that, I mean, it was, you know, and Azinger was terrible. I mean, other than that, it was okay. Um, I thought, you know, the course reporters did a good job. Um, maybe we'll, I think maybe, maybe Leonard will take Barry's spot. They seem to, he seems to be getting bigger, a bigger role within the, within NBC. So uh, we'll see uh, how, how that shakes out. But yeah, no, no real major complaints about the broadcast. The one, th- I guess uh, one thing, other thing I will mention for the first time, I correct me if I'm wrong for the first time ever, the open leaderboard online had the shot tracker and they had never had that before. It was just, you know, the scores of the holes. Um, and you could see some stats like greens and regulation, you know, fairways hit and driving distance and that stuff. But this actually had the map of the hole and they would plot the, the shots, which, um, which the PGA tour has. And, you know, obviously we, we talked about the masters app, uh, and you know, the U S so now, so the, the open app has now gone ahead of the U S open, which is by far the worst, um, in terms of the majors. So yeah, that was a nice, nice addition. It was a little slow to update sometimes, but, um, in general, I thought it was a, a good, you know, a great thing to have. So, uh, kudos to them for finally getting with the 21st century and, and adding that to their, uh, to their coverage. That's a very, that's really good. That's really well, well said, John. Uh, thank you again for that rundown. So. Um, let's go back to Andy and I think, yeah, I was wondering if there's something else I was going to add. No. So Andy, uh, any other thoughts you had as far as the coverage? Yeah. So <clears throat> Faldo, I, I am not as anti Faldo as Vitred comments were, but I'm, I won't miss him. Um, he kind of, yeah, you definitely, didn't really bring that much to the table. He was very cold and frosty as a player. So I remember when he was brought on to CBS, the initial reaction, hot take narrative was like, the guy was not very personable as a player. Like, how is he going to be loosey-goosey on, uh, on the camera on a weekly basis? And, I mean, I think he loosened up a little bit, but – I don't know. He's just him and his, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I love Nance, so Nance could be talking with, like, an orange Popsicle, and I think the Popsicle eventually would be halfway decent. But um, to John's point, like, they they should try to get someone, maybe not younger per se, but with a little more fresh, with a fresher take on things, like, I think Colt Nost would be great, but I think the network higher up thinks he'll say something too edgy. But I, I think Colt Nost is fantastic. Um, I know Freddie Couples and Billy Andre are still playing on the Champions Tour, but and they might not even want it down the road. But whenever Mad Dog has them on, like they're insightful, they're engaging, they offer you nuggets of information. Like I. I like Billy Andrade can break down any tournament. Um, I don't think I don't think it could ever happen because he already has a role with Golf Channel and CBS. But like Nabilo would be a good guy to pair up with Nance. But Nabilo already has like the studio 
responsibility and um yeah but i i don't know i'm just thinking out loud i think nabolo would be a good compliment to nance but he already has a a role so they'd have to kind of shift things around i like nabolo um but in terms of nbc over the weekend yeah i i'm not an azinger fan but i thought like and i'm usually not a Tarico guy either but Tarika was fine. Like, you know, I had the, I, I was up at four in the morning on Sunday and I, I mean, I went to bed with it on and I could have sworn in the middle of the night, I heard a couple English guys and then I had to change it to USA and then I put it back on NBC, but I, I don't know that, that stuff didn't bother me. And, and I know on Thursday, if you wanted to watch the end of tiger and, and all those guys, you have to put on the peacock but then on Friday they stayed and they did not make you put on the peacock. Like Hicks was like, we'll tell you when you have to put it on the peacock, but for now just stick with us. So, you know, yeah, you have to do some juggling around, whether it's like ESPN plus or peacock, depending on which tournament it is and which network has the, the broadcasting rights. But I know Tommy hates it every year at Augusta, but if you want it, you can find it and you can, you can suck up all the content you want. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, and I don't think they really need a, there's no void to fill with Faldo. It's an opportunity. I think, uh, you know, when Nance goes, they'll have, that'll be a whole, those are big, those are big shoes to fill with, with Faldo, this show, this just opens up an opportunity, as John mentioned, to either get with the times or yeah, get somebody with a new, fresher outlook on things. Um, whether that's Justin Leonard, whoever whoever it is, like I think in the big picture, they'll they'll offer a little more than what Faldo had uh, had given the the viewers for all these years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they announce Trevor Immelman already is taking over for him? You're right. I thought I saw yes. that somewhere. Yep, yep, that's true. That's it, yep. I don't know why it took so long to remember that, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Andy. <laughs> All yeah, good. no worries. <laughs> uh, yeah, really interesting com- com- comments there, Andy. I, I think it's just going to be a continually evolving story with broadcasting in both networks, really, NBC and CBS. Um, Vitred's comment... The TV scoreboard on the bottom right during the Open wasn't great. They wouldn't update the player's position. They were focused on if they birdied slash bogeyed. One thing I'll mention is they would bury the live players. It's like Dustin Johnson would get to like 13 under or whatever it was. As soon as someone tied him, he got shut down off the the little scoreboard on the right-hand side. I'm pretty sure that was... I think you're right. <laughs> you're right. I think I remember that. But never they did show them though. So that was that was that was a solid decision. And I think that I think they made it they played that the right way. Like it's just like what it's a dubious scenario, but they nevertheless are in the mix, so you have to cut in. So I saw plenty of Dustin Johnson, some Patrick Reed, I saw who else I think I did see Brad, you mentioned Bryce y'all brunch and DeShambo and he was yucking it up over there as they showed him too, so um, you know, this is the really the first major. If correct me if I'm wrong, but if this is the first major like significant participation from live players, right? After the fact, I think that's 
That was an interesting, interesting dynamic. I, I was following that during the weekend, too. And um, won't be the last either. I, I think uh, we're going to see a lot more of this as we go through through these things. What is going to happen if a live player wins a, a major? What happens? Like, what is the optic there? That that is going to be very interesting if that if it comes down. Uh, I mean, I'm not even going to ask. Can it happen? Of course, it can happen. There's, there's some great players in there right now. There's like not as many as a PGA tour, but you know, uh, features is the Gooch. What now? What happened with the Gooch? Gooch played well. Oh, nice. Yeah, Gooch played well. Nice. nice. Well, I said the, the four aces could have been like one through three, minus Pat Perez at one point. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Had, <laughs> yeah, you could add him, uh, him, Go- Johnson, Gooch, and um, oh, I forget the third, third. Oh, Reed, Patrick Reed. That yeah. could have been the, the three and the three aces, and then Pat Perez off doing whatever. Yep. And Vitrich also mentions that Edelman will, in fact, replace uh, – Faldo, which I think, yeah, yeah, I think, in fact, I think we may have covered it in our last golf show too, but, but, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, but, uh, let's just stay on this topic. I, I mean, there's really not much to talk about, especially with next week. <laughs> I don't see, um, but, uh, we could talk about the FedEx playoff if you want, but I'm kind of more interested in what you all think could happen in terms of more defections to live. So to give you an example, and maybe I'm just in the, maybe I'm just lost, but, do you think somebody like Matt Kuchar could make the move or did he make the move? And I just didn't know about it. You know, like who are some of the other players that you might see <laughs> making the jump? Uh, I'll let either of you take the John. I'll let you go first with that. What do you think? So the Matt Kuchar, who cares? Like, sure. <laughs> like, sure absolutely. Right. It's right, like, like, <laughs> it's like Andy would say Bubba Watson. All right. We won't miss you, buddy. It's like, see it. I, I was joking like with friends the other day about how they're going to break into the next live um, uh, tournament with like the announcement, you know, breaking news, like Henrik Stenson is signed. With it, and it actually, <laughs> actually happened. It's like actually happening. He's, yep. he's going like, to be stripped of his Ryder cup captaincy and he's going to join live golf. Um, and uh, I don't know, Dave, your, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Who's going, who's not going. Um, I'd like to think that people, some of the players that have really been outspoken about it, like Rory and JT and mm-hmm. uh, Scheffler and, and Rom and, and a lot of those guys that are in the prime of their career, I'd like to think that they wouldn't go. But, I mean, who knows at this point? You know, we didn't think that uh, DJ or Bryson or, or any of them were going, and, and they ended up taking the bag and going. So, I mean, who really knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I do think we're not – going to see much movement like i said until after the fedex cup playoffs, right 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 because right. that's more guaranteed money for these guys to make and then mike with the or i think andy had said about after the president's cup that's even a better point because that's like a tour sanctioned you know competition so those guys wouldn't be able to play in that i mean i guess it means that much to them to play in the president's cup i don't know to me the president's cup has always been kind of kind of a joke uh in my opinion but whatever mm-hmm. i mean if those guys really want to play in it that's that's fine um, you know, maybe they'll, they'll make the move after that. But, yeah, your guess is as good as mine as to who's, who's going and who's not going. I think they're going to have to increase their field sizes, like I said before. If they're only at 48 players right now, like, right. you know, maybe you go up to 72 for next year if they, they have all this interest in people joining. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And they're, they're definitely going to increase their tournaments um, because they got started this year in the middle of June, and they're only doing eight tournaments. There's actually going to be tournaments in the fall. Um, the next one is next week. And then uh, there are going to be some in the fall as well. Um, so and it'll, it'll probably go up to like 15 tournaments next year, I'm guessing. 12 to 15 is, is my guess uh, for the for the low events. But strategically, they're doing a good job when they're placing their tournaments. So two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they did it against the John Deere Classic. 
which is, again, just a horrible PGA Tour event. Next week, they're going up against the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Not going to be really – I think the field maybe be a little better than this week, but probably not by much. You know, like the guy, guys who have won that tournament are on live now. Like Bryson won it a couple of years ago. He's on live. Um, so I don't think that's going to be a great field. Um, and then the next, the next tournament is going to be over Labor Day, which I think is going to be, uh, I don't think the tour is playing that week because I think the, the tour championship is the week before. So live is going to be the only golf tour going on Labor Day weekend. So that was a good move on them. And then they have tournaments in the fall, not, which that's a dicey thing because let's be honest, like, you know, I have a hard time trying to tune into the PGA tour as is in the fall. You know, I'm not going to be watching two golf tours and trying to watch football <laughs> at the same time. So I don't know what they're doing with that. We'll see how that plays out. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, they have I think they have three of three, three or four events scheduled for like September and October mm-hmm. uh, to conclude their schedule. So we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, your guess is as good as mine is, is who's going uh, to the <clears> golf well, in, the, in the near. You're right, John, though. It is ultimately without without knowing. You know, with 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 still things to be decided in this year's cycle, especially the FedEx Cup playoff, they're just there's, to speculate might be worth might be kind of pointless at this point. So that's actually a good point. But having said that, Andy, if you would like to speculate on this area, I'd love to take your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm just trying to pull up the 22-23 wraparound PGA Tour schedule to mm-hmm. see if there is anything on Labor Day. I don't think there is because the FedEx is over by Labor Day because we all know they want they want the book closed prior to NFL. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't like they need to maybe they can't fix the schedule. It's just broken at this point because they obviously they're not going to move the FedEx events back to September. They want everything done by August 31st. But this period between British Open or the Open to I think the first event in the because they don't have the Deutsche Bank in Boston anymore. I think it's like it's 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 Barclays, it's FedEx St. Jude now, and one of the other. I think it's just two, and then the tour now, right? It's just two events yep. before Atlanta. Yep, that's right. So they they got rid of the whole New York Boston setup. So now they have they moved the FedEx tournament to be a playoff event. So that's the the first one, FedEx St. Jude Championship. Then the BMW Championship, they're moving that over everywhere. So that, this year they're playing it in Delaware, of all places. It's some, I mean, I don't know what the course is. And then the Tour Championship. Yeah. And the, I just looked, last day is August 28th. So it's the weekend before Labor Day. So we'll get a little college football week zero that weekend. And yes, uh, the tour, tour Championship that weekend. So that's actually a good weekend. Yeah, they should have that BMW event back in. I remember a few years ago, it was like in Denver, Colorado, or outside Denver, and they could hit the ball a mile in that Rocky Mountain air. Yeah, that was um, that was a good one. I also remember that used to be the old Western Open, and they played it in Chicago. That was a nice course. I wish they had kept it there. But yeah, they, scores were high, right? Yeah, it was like yep. a tough U.S. Open type of final round. Exactly. But um, no, to piggyback, we got to talk about with with Liv, like. To give, you know, old baby's criteria was like overhill player. And that's like someone like, yeah, Lee Westwood, uh, Henrik Stenson, Ian Poulter, arguably Sergio Garcia. Uh, Then your second tier guy was like players that are injury plagued, like Paul Casey. Like, I won't be surprised if Jason Day goes there at some point. Um, uh, You know, those guys like Kuchar. 
you know, the in-between guys that are like not completely decrepit over the hill, but they get a little, they got some injuries. Um, then the third kind of player is like, Mike is lazy, like Dustin Johnson. Like Dustin Johnson has all the talent in the world, but Dustin Johnson doesn't want to play 30 events a year. And so he's just going to go to the live tour. Even, you know, Kepka, the guy that's like majors are easier than regular majors are easier because he's on the live tour. Um, and now we're going to see what we might see. Cause we're already starting to see like players that are in their prime and are just getting the carrot dangled in front of them. And they're going to go, they're going to go. Um, Bryson, like Br- yeah, Bryson's had some injuries lately. Be- probably something to do with how hard he swings and his how he lifts his weights and all that stuff. Um, and Bryson has a lot of fans. You know, they're not my cup of tea, but people like Bryson. A lot of people hate him too. He moves the needle, so you gotta give him credit for that. Um, so those guys that like Bryson are gonna follow the live tour, and yeah, it's gonna it's really gonna be interesting to, to see what happens to. To your guys' point, uh, Vitra mentioned, like, it's going to be 14 events next year. So if it's four – and, yeah, it's a bunch of nonsense. Or like, I want to play less. Because I if I don't have the things in front of me, like, yeah, there's some guys like Sung J.M. that play 30 events a year. There's some guys that have to play 30 events a year because they need to try to win as much money as possible to ensure, you know, getting a tour card for the next year. But the really good top 50 golfers, like, they probably play – 20 to 23 events a year so if these guys on the lift tour if they get their cake and eat it too which means if they play the 14 events on the lift tour if they play the majors so that's 18 and if they play the three wgc's that's 20 21 events right there that's basically a full schedule for your you know really good pga tour player anyway so i don't really think your workload is that much of a uh difference i think it's just a you know it's a bullshit excuse the whole uh, we play less yeah you play one round less but that's just that's hogwash in my opinion but yeah like there's a there's already been some kinks in the pga schedule as we, we we always make fun of the john deere we always make fun of these midwest tournaments like i remember when john was like they're having this event in detroit like it's a brand new event and like Nance had to do it. I think it was actually over 4th of July weekend, the first event, like the first time they had it. And it's like the rocket mortgage three M like no one wants to have these tournaments. Like they, John actually mentioned this. We were having a conversation about like they, the PGA and the, and the DP tour should try to elevate. The, Cause the Irish open, if you look at it, like some years, the Irish open, the field's really good. Some years the Irish Open is not, is a little more diluted. They need to get that Irish Open like as a Rolex event, and then they could have that could lead into the Scottish Open. This is John's idea, so that Irish Open, Scottish Open, Open, and then you so that's three weeks of like good tournaments on the other side of the pond, and then like the really good players they can just goof off while the tour goes back to have their little. Midwest shit swing. Maybe you can get the John Deere to be played after the open. You get your John Deere, Rocket Mortgage, 3M, 
And then the players that really need it, the, the Wyndham, the Wyndham sometimes have juice. And then you got your FedEx. Boom. End of season. That sounds like a really good setup, actually. And I bet you Mike would be a down with that, too, if he was here in the, in the, on the call with us. Um, <clears throat> really good stuff. I mean, um, let me just get this in from Vitred, who says, if Max Homa defects, I riot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be tough. A lot tough. of people like Max. <laughs> that would be tough. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That would be tough. Um, so, uh, John, um, yeah, I mean, that's a kind of an interesting setup. I mean, what, what do you, what, how would you play that? Does that sound about what you would do? I think you even mentioned that some of that was your idea anyway. But uh, Yeah, no, I think that'd be perfect because they're already trying to incorporate, mm -hmm. I mean, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour already have this alliance. We've already seen them, like, co-sanction. Scottish Open, like, I thoroughly enjoyed that tournament. Like, they need to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And not more of that unless 3M Open, unless <laughs> uh, Rocket Merchant Classics. Um, and I get why they have to have these tournaments because the rank and file of the PGA Tour need to have enough events a year to, to keep their tour card and everything. But, you know, give me more of this, like the Scottish Open. So that's why I said merge the, uh, make the Irish Open a, a, a co-sanctioned event. And then you got three weeks in Europe there of, or, you know, of, of great links action. And that's, that's a great stretch of golf. Um, I think they're going to be making, you know, some, they made some schedule changes, not for this year because it's too late. The schedule actually hasn't even come out yet you got to figure it's coming out in the next month because these fall tournaments are going to be starting in September. But um, the schedule, it's too late to make changes for this year. But going forward for the 2024 season, um, they're going back to the January through September uh, or August uh, calendar. And the fall is going to be reserved for just, like, uh, players that didn't qualify for the playoffs, like fighting to for, number one, for their tour cards and also for – um, like positioning. So like if you finished a hundredth per se on, on the FedEx cup list, like, okay, you got your card, but you could still um, do well in this fall series to move up to say 60th and you'll get more playing privileges for the next year. And also they're going to have like three or four international, like no cut limited field events, like 50, like 50 players. So essentially they're just trying to copy live, which is stupid. Um, you know, again, Jane Monahan just being reactionary. Uh, and then they elevated the purses of a number of events, uh, like marquee events. So there's going to be more of a kind of uh, a gap between these tournaments. Uh -oh. uh, the one tour, the tour winners, um, uh, the Memorial, Bay Hill, a lot of those tournaments, they're going to be putting more money into um starting in 2020 i think that the, i think actually the, the purse increases start next year um but the, the definite schedule changes start in like 2024 but you know honestly i think monahan he played it all wrong like he should have been like all right whatever go i don't give a shit you know see what happens and he just to be this like this combative from the start like it and i understand like why he did it but i think it was the wrong strategy because he should just been like all right whatever go see you know see what happens like we won't, we won't miss you and it, yeah. it just it just it just kind of snowballed on on him at this point, and there's there's just no point, there's no return from from what he's done, and they're just being totally reactionary at this point, and that's yeah. not where you want to be. So, um, we'll be interesting to see how it goes, and I will agree with Andy. One quick thing about uh, the Wyndham is actually I do enjoy that tournament because it's a it's a, a classic course. You usually, get most of the top players playing because they have like this stupid bonus for being in the top ten in the FedEx Cup, and that's like the last tournament before the playoffs. 
So you'll get some good players playing in that. And it's usually a really exciting finish too. I think when Kisner won last year, it was like a seven man playoff or a six man playoff. It's usually pretty entertaining. So I will say hand wave the three M and rocket mortgage. I mean, us sickos will be betting and watching, but if you're just, you know, casually watching hand wave those two and then, you know, tune in for the Wyndham and then the, and the FedEx cup playoffs will be, will be some good golf or we have the, the falls, the fall series will be starting up. I don't, I don't know what date it was. I think they'll, they'll probably take off Labor Day and then start the following week. Excellent, fellas. That uh, this has been really great. Um, I'll, anything else you want to bring up before we go? But basically, it's time for final thoughts. So, Andy, I'll start with you first. Anything that you wanted to bring up before before we close it up tonight? Yeah, I think it's like thirty nine days till college football. There we go. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited for week zero. It's not like a great week zero, but there's enough. I think Illinois, Nebraska is probably on the slate or something like that. We'll be into that. That might have been last year. But That's my conference idea, now, though. Andy. <laughs> yeah. But they'll be yeah, – right. no, That is on the schedule. They're, they're playing in Ireland, actually. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> okay, so I'll be like 8 a.m. start out yeah. here. But, um, yeah, I mean, looking forward to college pigskin. It's going to be here before you know it. But, obviously, we're going to enjoy summer. It's the – it's the last 9 p.m. or later sunset out here in Seattle. Um, Gonna enjoy that. It's been this has been a fun program, Dave. Thanks for having us Absolutely, on. Yeah. I will say this about um, what the hell? I was gonna say something about golf, but I I forget at this point. But oh yeah, Dave, uh, you gotta you gotta find yourself. You and your dad gotta go to the U.S. Open next year in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll probably be a tough ticket, but. Uh, well, you got to go. Oh, I'll I say so this. Too. Let me one last thing about Tiger. I know, like, you know, guys were just—he was fresh bait for all the Tiger haters on Friday. But uh, yeah, he did not look good, and I don't want to see him like being like Arnold Palmer in his heyday, shooting 84, 84. Peace out. Like he's—he's he's gonna do that. Don't. But I, I think he's stubborn enough. He's stubborn enough to give it one more go. Um, but yeah, he to bar to borrow Doggy's phrase from last week, like what we like Tiger was in like ceremonial old guard mode on Friday, and that's not like that's not him. Like that was Arnold Palmer shooting 83-83 and going home. Like Mark Kalkovecchia. I actually like Mark Kalkovecchia, but, but Mark Kalkovecchia played in his last Open. I'm sure John was aware of that. Like, And uh, he signed off. I think he shot like an 82 and an 82 and because he won the Open in like 1988 or something like that. So, like, he's done. See you later, Mark Kalkovecchia. But uh, he was a pretty good player back in the day. And uh, I, I like that type of stuff, but, like, you know, we're not going to see Tiger Woods as like channeling his inner Sandy Lyle. Like I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> now I feel like that's kind of was like it felt like a symbolic wrapping uh, point for him as far as competing in majors, and so it was a good. It, it looked, it felt good to me. But let that be it. Like I, I think we're, I'm, I don't need any more of that. You know. So John, let's give it to you. Final thoughts. Yeah, certainly no lack of drama or interest or intrigue in the world of golf right now. Liv has certainly done that anyway, but um, you know, like I said before, it, it's kind of sad to see because it dilutes both tours, but 
you know, for fans of golf, like we're, you know, we're, we're going to deal with it and we'll watch both and follow both and bet on both and, mm-hmm. you know, just take it as it goes um, and just see what happens. But I think that's just the main thing. I'm just kind of sad about how it's just kind of, you know, the quality of the events other than like the majors are going to be severely, severely diminished going yeah. forward. Um, but in terms of this event that we just had, I mean, you could not ask for a better tournament and a better final round. And that's what, that's what it's really, the majors have given that to us all year, really. And you, that's, you really can't ask for, for more than that. So, um, yeah, it was a great tournament. And again, Dave, thanks for having us on to, Absolutely. to share our random thoughts about that and everything else going on with golf. And yes, definitely looking forward to some college football in a month. Looking forward to those, our, our recap, or not recap, our preview shows, Dave. So we'll have to do, um, yes. we'll have to do one night, one night for the group of five and then one night for the, for the power five. It's a good format, right? Like I, I really yeah, like Oh that. yeah. Yeah. We, we were just rushing when we were doing it before trying mm-hmm. to fit it all in, in one show. But, um, yeah, week zero as well. UConn at Utah State. I am ready for the Jim Mora era. Take those points plus twenty eight because you won't. You know, I think it's going to be a cover. We'll say that right now. <laughs> week zero football picks. Get ready. <laughs> week zero show. It's so good. it's getting bigger though, isn't it? Like it used to be like one or two games, and now it's like maybe four or five. I think it's so. Yeah, there's like twelve games this year, wow. so it's like you almost have a full schedule of oh games, goodness. which is great. I'm well, not yeah. a full schedule. I mean, college a full schedule is like sixty, but yeah. I think you have. You know, we're getting way too much into this now. I think you have. I know UConn is playing Utah State, so I think you have Nebraska and Illinois. I, uh, I'm sorry, Nebraska and Northwestern, Wyoming and Illinois. That'll be a good game. Nevada's playing, I think, New Mexico State, I believe. And then there's, like, yes. some random Conference USA games they scheduled for that. There's, like, three Conference USA games they somehow they put on that weekend. So Vanderbilt, we, we Hawaii, 1030 East Oh, Coast my God, State. yes. Nice. <laughs> the first bailout game of the year. That'll wow. be perfect. 11 o'clock, Vanderbilt in Hawaii on that night. That's wow. a CBS Sports Not Network game. Oh, I love those CBS Sports Network games. Good oh, time. Yes. Blackburn. Yeah, good times. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good segue to what's coming up in our on our podcast too. Like the juice for the podcast lately has been amazing. Thank you, thank you, Liv, from that segue. I mean, I'm not very happy. I'm not. I've been not been down with Liv, but from the con for the purpose of the content, it's been a fantastic add to this to the to sports. So, um, with that said, good night, everybody, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, I'll like, keep you posted on when we do the next show and everything. But we'll keep going. You know, preseason stuff, college stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll keep going. So. uh Bye, everyone. Take care. Good luck to your bets, too, for the... (laughs) What's the next one again? The 3M? Yeah, good luck. 3M open. All right, fellas. Take it easy. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Bye, Eddie. See you later, guys. (laughs) Good way to end tonight. Um, This has been a really fun show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We We have had amazing numbers on YouTube tonight. It, thank you so much for tuning in. I could tell that there has just been an incredible amount of juice here. Um, unfortunately, it looks like uh, folks who are watching on YouTube probably aren't seeing this because we're having a major issue with network buffering tonight. But uh, we certainly have had a great show. So thank you very much for doing this, for everybody. We appreciate your time. And we say good night. Take care, everybody. Have a good rest of your week. And um, if you missed any part of it, you can catch the replay here on YouTube or you can go to our, our podcast feed at ditcow.com or at any podcast player of your choice. Um, thank you again for your continued support of the of the of the Dick Cow football show. And uh, we wish you well. 
Uh, we'll be back at some point. I'm not. I think we could be back next week. I just got to figure out what the topic's going to be. But we'll we'll try to get uh, get some people together. We'll do another show next week. Uh, so until then, have a great rest of your your week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the summer. And there we go. And uh, all the best to Mike in North Jersey too. Andy in Seattle. John in Connecticut. Thank you very much for your time tonight. And we'll see you next time.